Yo, so welcome everybody, welcome once again. You are in Ted Baker, Conversations in Culture. This week's conversation will focus on the topic of defining culture through the creative lens with British Ghanaian photographer and filmmaker, Campbell Addy. A reminder that all thoughts and opinions are of those who are speaking and not necessarily reflecting Ted Baker. For Addy. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, so it's a pleasure to have you in the house. And before we do anything, there's one thing I have to do. I have a weird quick fire question, and it's a series of questions. And the series of questions is called Back to School. <laughs> now we, okay. We've done this before, <laughs> but I wanted to do it again. So the idea is I'm dragging you back to high school, kicking and screaming. You know, you know oh, how it goes. No. Yep, yep, me too. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but what you have to do is pick between this or that, right? So imagine okay. you've got your blazer on, you've walked into school, it's raining, it's one of those days, but you have the choice. Your first two classes are going to be RE in math or chemistry and English language. What do you pick? Chemistry and English language. Ooh, okay, why? Uh, my chemistry teacher was my homeroom teacher, so we got along, it was a bop, he was chill. <laughs> and I was, I was good at chemistry. English, I was horrible at, but didn't know I was dyslexic, but my teacher was very, very like eclectic. So like, even if I wasn't listening, I was always entertained. I like that. Okay, so you've made it. You've made it past <laughs> your first two lessons. You know that 15-minute break that you get, which isn't really long enough to do anything. You see somebody and you say hi, and then you've got to rush back to your class. And you now have the choice okay. between geography and drama or IT and PE. What do you pick? Oh, no. <laughs> like, fun fact, I never went to geography classes, so I'm really bad at geography. I was always kicked out. You know, I'm going to do geography and drama because I'm a drama queen. So, and I like <laughs> drama, but geography, like, oh, I don't know anything about geography. I wasn't a fan of geography either, man. I didn't understand why I was learning about rivers. And the rocks, like, I remember when we had to do the rock cycle, I was like, there's a cycle for rocks? I was like, yeah. I've never used that information, ever. <laughs> All right, so you've made it through those two classes. You finally, you've made it to lunch. You've had lunch, you know, you've gone in there. You've had, you know, whatever they've got on, on, on chips and all the rest of it, the slice of pizza that cost you two pounds, it's ridiculously overpriced. And, <laughs> and now you have your final two lessons. You have to pick between food tech and psychology or design tech, DT, and theology. What do you pick? Like, I'm a foodie, but my food tech teacher was boring. Like, I didn't want to make rock cakes. Um, I'm going to go DT. Because DT and theology, like, uh, theology, meh. But DT, we got to make, like, I think I made, like, a chair and a table from scratch once. So, like, yeah, D and, it, you know, keep my hands busy. Oh, my gosh. All right, and finally, it is the last day of school. We didn't tell you, but it's actually the last day of school. Oh, gosh. So, you know when they whip out the, you know, the DVD player? They brought it out, but they've said, Campbell, it's time for you to pick the movie. What movie are you, are you going to make you and all of your peers watch? Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann. Ooh. That film changed a lot of me and my black male friends' lives. Seeing 
Makusha singing Young Hearts. Run free, let's go. Yeah, that was fun. So, and it was just also Roman Juliet, you know, you got the English lit, you got all that stuff in there, but it was modern. The music was fab, the styling was good. And there was like black people playing non-specific black roles. It was great. I have to say, I didn't realise how iconic that movie was to me until you just brought it up. So I appreciate you. No, thank you. No, thank, thank back to Baz Luhrmann for the role, for the movie. That's right. Seriously, seriously. Listen, you made it through. You made it through your, 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 your day at high school. So, th- <laughs> so thank you. So to all of you that are in the room, we have today got somebody who I revere and look up to. Um, outstanding career, British Ghanaian photographer, Campbell Addy. Since graduating, you know, Central St. Martin's College of Art and Design in 2016, he's worked with various editorial outlets, including ID, Vogue, Raj, WSJ, Dazed, and, and so many more. Your work is internationally <laughs> loaned. You've done things in Oslo, Norway, Paris, including a 2017 solar exhibition entitled Matthew 7-7, which bravely explored and celebrated sexuality and a culture at odds with his Jehovah Witness upbringing, which I'm definitely going to throw some questions your way about that. We are really going to get into it, but before we do, I just want to say once again, hi everybody, I'm Abraxas and I'm hosting weekly Clubhouse podcast series with British fashion brand Ted Baker. Each week, we host inspiring creative guests to talk about their journey and put them to the test <laughs> with questions from our amazing audience on this app. So, Campbell, I hope you're ready now. I hope you're feeling, you know, at yes. ease. <laughs> yes. All right. Very comfortable. Let's do it. All right. So my first question for you today is, what's your first memory of Ted Baker? Honestly, I remember being on like the... Um, 464 bus going to school and all the it girls had the plastic tote the Ted Baker plastic tote if you didn't have one of those totes you weren't it and I just really wanted the tote and I remember thinking okay fab and that's and I remember just everyone who had it was kind of like cool and artistic and fashionable back then like being like a 16 17 year old that's my first memory like the one that like really sticks out to me no, I feel you. I feel you. It's 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 funny how we had you can have a first memory of a brand as well, and that's a good one. The it the it crowd have it, and you're like, hold on, why does why does the it crowd kind of have that? I'm it. I'm in. Let me. Uh. Yeah, you had the, yeah, you had the pool boutique girls, and you had the Ted Baker girls. You wanted to be a Ted Baker girl. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second question: At what point in your life are you like, okay, capturing photos? is important to me and it's something I want to continue doing. From what I understand, you've got Ghanaian parents. Were they strict? Is that an oxymoron? Is that a rhetoric? Of course they're strict, <laughs> yeah. No, like my Ghanaian family were really strict um, for obvious reasons. But like photos were always in my life. Like going to like Joe Witness churches and meetups and family, we always took photos. But I took it seriously once I left home and I was at uni. Uh, but I'd always had taken photos. I was always the person like out at a club with a camera and stuff, but I never thought about it as a career. It was early until I went to uni and like, you know, you get time to like really hone in on your skills and do research into fields that don't necessarily come up in your, you know, your everyday to day life or what you're exposed to. So once I was exposed to things outside of just London and school, I was like, do you know what I want to be? I want to do something within 
the realm of taking pictures. Um, at first it was styling because I thought that's what I wanted to do. But then did that, realised I'm really bad at it. But I really love taking pictures. So yeah, it probably took me up until like second year of uni until I was like, okay, maybe I should pursue this properly. So university, did you find that university was a place that allowed you to truly explore who you were and what you wanted to do? Um, did you kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, find yourself at university? Yeah, like I, I came from like Croydon, New Addington, very conservative, you know, like family, parents and friends to St. Martin's where you'd be walking down the hallway and you'd have the performance people walking on barefoot for four days doing a performance or someone from menswear coming out in a bra in some concoction. That was just everyday life. So then it kind of throws you into one, accepting every type of person. And then also our course allowed us to really delve into what we and who we're about. Like our first project in first year uni was to do a project that sums up yourself and like sitting in a room with all these people from all different walks of life. It was always the emphasis on who are you and put that on the page. So it was just four years of hardcore exploration and chucking spaghetti at the wall and seeing what would stick. I love that. So you truly got to go in there and just, they said, well, whatever canvas you want, here you go, go express yourself. Um, All right, so you've done... You kind of, you've ebbed your way through university. You figured out, okay, I like photography. Photography is something that I'm interested in. When you're doing this and when you're along this journey and you get into your final year and you're graduating, are you nervous at any point? Are you like, man, I, you know, I want to do photography, but I'm not sure. You know, maybe some of my other friends are lawyers, doctors, all these other things. Does that not make you nervous? Or are you like, I want to do this. I believe in myself. I'm going to give it everything I have. I quickly had to like flick away, wash away that feeling of, oh, my other friends or people I know are doing like quote unquote proper jobs. Cause going to uni itself, the cost of it, I was like, if I'm going to do this for four years, it's something I'm going to want to have a degree in. Prior to even going to uni, I looked up alumni and I kind of did my own little like mental charts of what course had the highest rate of graduate to actual real life jobs because I had nothing else to fall back on. So I wanted to make sure the course that I did would give me a job. What job it was, who knows, but a job nonetheless. But in my final year, I remember it was the year Brexit was passed. So there was so much negativity in the air, 2016. So I was just like, I had to make a resolve that I'm happy with doing you know, like a nine to five job, part time. So long as I create two fab photographic projects a year, then I'll be fine. Because there was no certainty I'll get a job, um, especially creating images how I would like to create them. So I just had to just kind of be okay with not getting a job. But then that in turn made me almost, I know, I just remember saying to my like, course leader I'm the most unemployable person so I might as well just make a space for myself whether or not that will be lucrative so long as I have an outlet then I you know I can have a nine-to-five retail outlet or you know 
just to keep me paying the bills. It sounds like you didn't, you weren't too interested in money at this point either. You were just like, I want to mate, create. Mate, I was born poor. And I survived. <laughs> I was like, I can't get any poorer. So what's money? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Listen, it makes perfect sense, honestly. So, okay. Last year, you said you're talking about carving out a lane for yourself. Now, to everybody who's in this room, now, this is the epitome of carving out a lane for yourself. Last year, you were the first black man in history to shoot a Rolling Stones cover, which featured Scissor, Megan the Stallion, and I believe Normani as well. Like, what was that experience like coming from university and being, quote unquote, the most employable graduate? <laughs> <laughs> What was that like? Honestly, like in the moment, I didn't, I don't think, I can't think about things like that in the moment. I kind of have to just be there to do a job. How like, how like dumb it sounds. Like I'm there to just create images and have fun with it because I'm blessed to do something I like and make a career out of it. But I remember, I didn't know that I was the first black man to shoot it until I was on set. And they told me, so I kind of put that thought in a little box and was like, do you know what? I can't really like fango or freak out right now because then it would hinder the process. But then in the moment, it was also just fun being to shoot three fab, you know, black women who like are killing it in their own spaces. It made me want to do that too. And then after the fact, it was just like, whoa, okay, this is monumental, like... I know it didn't really hit until I know I'd say like a couple of months later. I'm I'm very delayed with reactions. So it was just like, okay, I did that, I guess. Even now you saying it, it's still a bit like I cringe a little, but I'm also very, very, very happy and grateful because I don't know, it's bittersweet to hear those words because it's like I shouldn't be the first black anything in the photography space. But then it's also like, it's, at least it's happening. So it's bittersweet sometimes. I feel you well. You're a pioneer. You're a pioneer in this space. What you've accomplished <laughs> in, in, these, in these years is honestly historic, uh, for lack of a Thank better you. word. You are killing it in your field. So please keep going. <laughs> and please keep being the first. <laughs> if, be the first, the last, the middle. It doesn't make a difference to me as long as I get to continue watching you do your thing. <laughs> All right. You. So you've taken these pictures at this point, but I'm going to take it a, a step back kind of. You're, we've just come out of this pandemic or coming out of this pandemic on the 19th. Thank God. All right. Um, what's kind of helped you stay focused during this entire period? Um, I get that clearly you could walk anywhere with a camera and take photos, but so there's been this, I don't know, there's, there's, the pandemic's almost been like a pandemic of loneliness. You know, we haven't quite been able to interact with each other and talk and have fun and socialise the way we have. So what's kept you mentally sane and what's kind of been your inspiration throughout? It's been weird because at the beginning, I, like most people, I freaked, I freaked out because... Even though, like, I need space and quietness to, like, recharge and sift through my thoughts, I'm a real, like, people person. Like, my work is all about people. And I get, I always get, I get inspired by my friends and family and just life in general. Like, I can look at someone on the tube and they'll inspire me to create a whole story. So it's very weird having that part of my um, inspiration shut away. But then it taught me a real life lesson that I need to, be more versatile and, and have a bit more flexibility within 
my interests. So what you know, I I passed my tests and got a car for the like my first car like days before lockdown. So I ended up discovering that nature again, and like my two dogs and my partner really allowed me to kind of take a beat and really like where I didn't have the time to plan things I really could really think about what the next steps were and then I found inspiration in like things that I had like missed before like documentaries like songs words food like things that are so random like I became a huge like follower of beauty gurus on YouTube like Jackie I know and like just to like like I know life inspires you and I feel like the best ideas for say fashion photography don't come from fashion photography at all so at the beginning I was freaked out midway through I was like okay this could be exciting and now I've kind of feel like it's been like a reset for my my working space I'm able to like be inspired by some of the most random things and it's exciting again okay it's exciting again I like that. <laughs> um, I suppose it gives, gives everybody kind of a restart, uh, a, a new position to kind of look at this life through a different lens and slow down, take a breath, take your head up, up you know, from under the water. So, no, I completely agree with what you're saying. Congratulations on the two dogs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> They're sleeping here right now, actually. <laughs> so one more question for you, or two more, before we start getting some people from the audience up on stage. Can you talk... Just a little about your inspiration behind Matthew 7-7 and why it was so important for you to capture and tell that story. So basically when I was like 16, I left, I had to leave home due to my sexuality and my family's position within the religion of being Jehovah's Witness. And it was kind of just like when I left home, I had hit the ground running in the sense where I didn't have enough time or necessarily as a black queer man, the vulnerability to stop and think about oh, where is me and what's happened? So I literally like left home, had to go to school, had to keep traveling like, well, I had to travel like four hours a day just to get to sixth form. And I just focused on getting my education because at the time, a foundation was still free. Um, so I knew I had to pass my A-levels because then, because I didn't have any money. So I had to make, get as much free education as I could and also to get into uni at the right time. So I kind of just went from sixth form to uni and I was just like, whoa, like I haven't really like stopped and looked at the last say four years. And my religion was such a huge part of my upbringing. It's all I knew and to have it kind of stripped away so quickly, it just left a weird hole. So I wanted to kind of just start the question or start the healing process with my work. And a lot of my work deals with problem solving of issues I have within. It's my my kind of space of therapy. If I have issues, I put it into my photography. So when I did the exhibition, it's kind of just, I hadn't spoken to a lot of family members at the time. I hadn't spoken to a lot of ex-friends that were Jehovah's Witnesses. It was kind of like a, a little olive branch of some sort and also for myself to be like it's okay you know what you seek you'll find that's what the verse is Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 and I was just trying to find solace and peace within this mentality where I didn't know whether 
my moral standing was based off of scripture, based off of myself. There was a lot of soul searching. So I kind of just wanted something in my history or my timeline to be noted down. So then if, say, if I go back to it to restart the project, I can see growth. Um, and yeah, it was nice. It was nice to, it's weird. It was nice to read scriptures again, even though I'm not like religious, I'd more say I'm spiritual. Um, but at the time it was kind of just like a good thing to keep the demons at bay, <laughs> one could say. It's so interesting to say that, you know, you were almost ostracized from the community that you knew and had to then you know, create, use, use what would be somewhat sadness and depression and, and all these other negative emotions to create something that's so amazing. Yeah, it was wild because I'd never spoken outly about it. And I remember after the exhibition, I got so many emails from extra witnesses and like older than my mum, like in their 50s and whatnot. And they would just express to me how, how beautiful it was to see someone put all our questions and angst into something. And like some of them obviously had families and things that they had to leave behind. So it was kind of like, it was like a healing process for many, not just myself or even just a conversation starter. And I just, and I had never sought out extra witnesses until that point. And I still would love to do a project with extra witnesses, but I'm still trying to understand what that means. That's incredible. It's really interesting. Everybody that I've spoken to that's creative and is finding success, they've all had to go through some kind of period of being ostracized, some sort of period of finding themselves. And it's not easy. You know, whatever it is, it is not easy. And they could hide and go back to and, and appease. But it seems like when they don't and they continue to explore themselves, what they find on the other side is not only themselves, but the beauty and everything else that they create. It's been so interesting that this is a parallel between so many creators. So, Campbell, thank you. I've got one more question. So, you created an agency, right? And how do I pronounce the name of your agency? Knee. Knee Agency. Brilliant. I was going to say nice. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I asked first of all. So, Knee Agency. So, how do you think it's impacting the modeling world right now as it stands? I, I literally had this conversation with a friend and ex-model of mine, King, Uwusi, yesterday. And, like, it's weird because, like, Knee was started on, on just... Art, like solving a problem myself, me and my friend Jawara, Aline, who's the fashion designer, just like we were doing shoots and working at uni and thinking, oh, this is so stressful, having to always find models and agencies telling me they don't exist. And I think at the time, there was like Lord Inc. models, there was also, I think Kevin Amatu was doing some stuff. There was like, there was like little pockets of people everywhere, you know, as a consciousness. And I think we all tapped into it and it kind of shook up the industry to say, yes, alternative, whatever that means is alternative models are great, but also they can also hold their own. They can punch a heavyweight too. They can't just, it's not just cool little like brand collabs. Like they could be, it's all about perspective. You know, it's not about rules. 
And I think, like, we worked with, like, Burberry, like, big, like, brands like Burberry Gucci. It wasn't just about brands. It was also about my showcasing the beauty of other without making it other, if that makes sense. I didn't want any of the models to feel like, oh, you're with, you're with a boutique agency or you're with, a, like, an alternative agency. Like, no, you're here in the same space as anyone else. And let's, you know, let's just, like, excuse my friends, let's just, like, f*** it up. That was always our motto. Let's just f*** it up. Let's just get there and do it. And I think post me, if that's even a thing, I think it was just exciting. One, we were young, unknown people creating a wave at a time where so many others were that I think the industry kind of looked and was like, oh, this is interesting, this is cool. But then they're like, okay, no, this is something that needs to be. And I, but I still think there's a lot of work that needs to be done, just personally, because, you know, I, I feel like fashion is very slow-moving organism and sometimes it's fast in some spaces and horrendously slow in others um so i still think there's a lot of work to do but i'm glad that we can even have a conversation about it you know listen and campbell i just want to say if you ever need a six foot five making <laughs> shoes, <laughs> natural hair <laughs> Defined cheekbones, great humour, brilliant clubhouse host to model anywhere around the world. <laughs> no, come over, my studio's in Peckham. Let's go. I will pull up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Gabriel! I would love to continue just hogging you all to myself, but I cannot. I've got to get some people up from the audience to throw some questions your way as well. So first up. We have Ganesh. Ganesh, welcome to the stage. Ganesh is a filmmaker as well from South Florida. Ganesh, what question do you have for Campbell? Campbell, man, it's an uh, honor to, to, to be on stage with you. And, um, yeah, definitely been following your work. Uh, I'm a fan. You know, it's, it's crazy because I always like to have conversations with people who were born, uh, who are basically first generation, whatever country they live in. My parents are Jamaican. I'm like first generation American, first generation do a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? I always try to find out how culture or how the culture that your, your parents were raised in influenced you in your work. Um, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Like how, how that kind of translates and shows up in your work sometimes, whether it be consciously or unconsciously? Yeah, that's a good question. How does my Ghanaian heritage... It's weird because I always grew up around it and I often went to Ghana. So I think subconsciously my earliest work I was just replaying and reliving images I'd seen growing up. Now consciously, I just came back from Ghana and I did a project there. I consciously now try to align myself and, you know, listen to my ancestors and try and put nuggets in my work because, you know, like photography, we take in images 600,000 times more than we do words. And I think Africa as a continent has been raped and pillaged. And I think the only service that I could do is, you know, is leave fab, beautiful images that will, you know, precede me when I'm gone off this plane, you know? So I think that's how I put it. And my mum always made sure I listened to the music and had the food around. So it's kind of just, it's there in subtleties and it's there in, it's there in a lot of my personal work as opposed to my fashion work. But it's there. I guess it's there. I hope that answers the question. It did, man. I appreciate your work. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for the question. And the response was dope. Um, tapping in with your ancestors. And I think you've already left behind a 
insane body of work, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We've got some more questions coming up. So, Rob, how's it going and what question do you have for Campbell? Hi, uh, thank you, Abraxas. Thank you, Campbell, for sharing your time. I've been around Clubhouse a lot, so I've been thinking of storytelling differently uh, as I think about it more in this audio way without the uh, advantage of, of visuals. And, and I found myself kind of saying like, oh, I'm listening differently than I was before. And I, and I found two distinct but overlapping qualities of, you know, I'm listening differently. I hear different things because I'm focused on pitch and tenor and background more than I was before I started to think about this. And also I'm listening differently in that, like I'm listening for potential and what it could become and how I can make it better. And I'm curious about your thoughts on the visual medium. Like when you think about the, like, do you think about it in this way too of I'm seeing things differently with my eyes and also my life experience leads me to look at things differently. And like, how does that work? It's weird. Cause in GCSE art year seven, I remember vividly my art teacher, Miss Murray asking us to draw an apple. And I remember saying, what's the point? Because it's the same apple. And she said to me, everyone's perspective and outlook on life will be different from the tool you choose to draw the apple to the angle to what you enjoy about the apple will be different. Yet the apple is still the apple. But what's interesting is we're all different and everyone is allowed the space to create this apple. And I remember thinking this one's crazy. Like it's just an apple. Fast forward to St. Martin's Uni, I had the same lesson taught to me by my tutor, Claire uh, Robertson, when we used to do life drawing. And she said to draw these life models. And she kept stopping me. She was like, why are you drawing the whole picture? Just draw what you what attracts you. Is that something that I still try and carry with me today? Because often, you know, I believe everything has been done already. And there's like a consciousness of ideas that we tap into and then we create it. But I think the well of self is the biggest and the most lucrative place one can live in to create ideas. So yes, of course, people have taken portraits of people before and even the people I've shot, I'm not the first people to take their photographs. However, it's the first time I've been there or we've been there together and my perspective matters. And yeah, everyone's life add, like adds another texture to how they take the pictures. And I... I don't think I ever will understand or know how my life affects it until I'm at the end of it, if I'm honest. Because I try to look back and go, okay, like, what does this mean? But I don't think I've, I don't think I've evolved enough yet. So I just try and just live as instinctively when it comes to creating pictures. Good to know. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope that answers it. Thank you. Next up, we have two new people up on stage, um, two amazing people from this app as well. So I want to welcome Eli Green, who runs some of the most ridiculous rooms on this app. Um, absolutely ridiculous human being, super funny. Um, welcome to the stage. And what questions do you have for Campbell? Pleasure to meet you, Campbell. If you could pick a piece of your work or somebody else's creative work to be, you know, on your tombstone, so to speak, what would that work be that encompasses what your experience on this planet has been? Mine would be a piece of music 
I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it's by this, I think he's Estonian. His name's Arvo Part, and the song was called, it's called, I think it's Spiegel, I'm Spiegel, means mirror to mirror. I've butchered it, but Google it, it comes up, it's very, very famous. Um, and hopefully I'll be dead, and there'll be digital tombstones, so people can just press play, and it'll be like a symphony. Um, I'd play that only because it's very minimal. It's a piano and some strings. And for me, it just sums up the tempo of life. It allows for deepness and passion, but also allows for space. And that's something I'm trying to cultivate. And when he wrote it, I think he went into isolation so that he could write a piece that wasn't necessarily influenced by his space and time. And that kind of sums me up. Like, I'm a very lovable person, but I'm a Pisces that needs their own time to detox. And it's very, it's a very reflective um, piece of music. And the word mirror, the camera is a mirrored box. So I think it's a good 360 piece. That's a fab question. I've never been asked that before. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, can you give us the artist again so I can... Um, okay, wait. His name is Arvo Part. I'm just going to... Let me spell it properly. A-R-V-O, then P-A-R-T. And then the song is called Spiegel, I'm Spiegel. I'm, it's a German song or not, but if you type it up, it should come up. Eli, thank you. You're the man. I appreciate you. Next question is coming from Aisha. How's it going and what question do you have for Campbell? Well, I just first and foremost wanted to say thank you guys so much for the amazing conversation. It's been so insightful so far. Um, but my question for Campbell um, is, I was just wondering kind of what your process is after you've thought of an idea for a shoot. Um, where do you usually go from there? Is it kind of a mood board or sketching? Um, but what's kind of the full process from um, the first kind of concept till until the final project? Hi, Aisha. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for the question. It depends on the idea. I live on my phone, so notes. my notes are filled with... I try and write down... It's almost like dream diaries, because I feel like I get an idea. If I don't write it down, I come back to it and I don't remember. So I just write down words that allude to the idea, whether it's a specific picture that I've seen, so I have to like write it down, or I draw them if it's characters, because often they're characters who have a whole life. And then I'm like, oh, okay, her name's Mary, she's 32, and her husband's just left her for the milkmaid. She lives in Kent, um, she's five foot two, like all these little things, just so then it allows me then to build around it. And then I try and put it into a treatment which basically is almost like I write a synopsis of the story and then if it's layered like if there's different layers to it, I just try and make it as extensive as possible down to the team that I want to work with um, and lots of reference images and often the reference images aren't necessary references for how the images will turn out but more so for mood and ideas because I've got this world in my head and I have to put it on a page yet sometimes they're not even they haven't been created yet 
So it's often just for others to be able to vibe with me. And then if it isn't a treatment, then it's like just words or a drawing. But I have to put it down because I feel like you have the dream plane and you have the physical plane. And often ideas when in the dream plane, it's like, yeah, you're going to do them, but then they'll evaporate. But once they're written down, it's reality. And, like, it can start from the most random, like, the most random idea. Like, I like I think I saw someone sweating in the park the other day, and I, like, just created this entire, like, moving image piece based on the cardiovascular system. Has it happened yet? No, but I've written it down. <laughs> so it's reality. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, you're answering all these questions so well. Somebody's got to put, well, somebody's got to put some pressure on Campbell now. Come on, come on. We've got two more people here. <laughs> I want to put Campbell, I want to put some, put some stress on him now. Let's go. Um, <laughs> up next, we've got Owen. Um, what question do you have for Campbell today? I was just going to say, uh, first things first, how are you? Because I've been listening in the audience and you speak with such a honest dignity. It just gives such a calmness to hearing you speak about some of these mo- some of the most beautiful things. So just genuinely, how are you first? I'm good. That's like so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it's a good day. It hasn't rained today, so I'm happy. Perfect. That's all we can, that's all we can ask for. No rain. Um, I do have a question. After listening to everything you've said, because it just sounds like you know when you you're talking to someone and you're like, man, this person's gonna go do some amazing thing. They're gonna, you can just feel it in communication. You can just feel that you are going to be doing some brilliant things, and you probably know and you know are calm about it. But my real my question in all that is, as you go through your entire journey, whatever wherever that may take you, left, right, up, down, what do you believe will be the thing? that will keep you centered to your main goals because clearly up to this point you have you've mentioned your friends and how there are movies that connect you and i assume community is part of that and even when you were uh, taking those beautiful shots um of those famous beautiful beautiful women you have stayed true so what do you think as time goes on as you grow as you accidentally exponentially grow to a height that is unknown to us what do you think will keep you essentially grounded and keep your arrow going north as it were that's a beautiful question thanks Erin. i don't know it's 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 a it's a combination of things because my instinct says my past will always keep me grounded only because i know i don't pinch myself when i'm in certain situations but i can't run away from my past and know how life has been so it almost just keeps me, like my past and my family, just because they, I know it's hard because, say, my family aren't around. I think just my past. I'm going to say my past will because I've come from very, very, very humble beginnings and I chose to do what I do for humble reasons, I'd like to say. Um, if I wanted money, I would have tried a very different career because Lord knows photography takes a while to pay and editorials don't pay. But I don't know, it's, I know it's almost like a soul calling thing that I have to do. And I know it's like an itch that needs to be scratched. And if that, and everything else is fluff to me, if I'm honest, like it may sound fake, but I don't care for the, 
your fame or even for the famous people because it's like I always ask myself does it make sense for me to be working with this person because I never want to work with a person for what they do more so for what we can do because I think it's you know humans are the most when we really tap into our senses we are we're animals we can sense when there's a fake person or someone just using someone for clout so it's kind of like I never want to be that person that's like, oh, I'm here to take a picture because you've got like a million followers and you're doing all these things. It's more so like, I want to take your picture because I vibe with what you do. Like, I listen to your music or I love your story or or I just think of very interesting to look at. Can I take your picture? Not because, you know, you're the most famous woman in the world because there's someone else out there that I'm taking their space that would create a better picture if my reasonings are just very selfish. So I think, yeah, like I still remember being that boy who had to walk to work. So like, that's never gonna leave me. So, and I can always be that boy who's gonna <laughs> walk to work one day, you know, things can change. So I just kind of wanna, I don't know, it's just, I'm not in it for the glitz because it's not that beautiful behind the scenes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, just to get a grasp, you're saying the mindset you've been given by your life experiences make it almost impossible for you to lose track of where you exist in the world and how you exist. Yeah, I'm a queer black man from Croydon. That is first generation Ghanaian and an extra witness. Like, I don't think there's enough lifetime for me to outrun those things. So like, if I'm sitting there shooting like celebrities, like, yeah, great, but (laughs) I still have to go home to this. And my memories are always going to be there. So it's like, but I think it's a good thing. I think I don't, I don't hate my past. I think, yeah, I think things could have been better, but a lot of it's out of my control. So, and I think it's just, it's just dumb for me to go into a space and look at such frivolous, interchangeable things as like character building or making me, me. Like Campbell isn't the photos I take, you know, I just happen to take photos. If I, if I was a chef, I probably would still feel the same way about life um but yeah life experience i can never run away from those things so i'm only hurting myself if i'm i'm only kidding myself if i'm like oh yeah i shot you know like the most famous black woman in the world that means i'm it it's like you still got rent to pay (laughs) so yeah oh and great question gamble amazing response (laughs) i like that um we've got one more question on stage one more question and then you are going to have to do the task of deciding which question has been your favorite. So last but not least, we've got Leah. Leah, what is going on? Okay, so my question is, if you could work with any person, um, whether they're dead, alive, famous or not famous, it could be just someone that's close to you, it could be a celebrity or someone that has a, an amazing legacy and money was no, there was no limit as to what you could spend, what kind of project would you create with that one person and what would that look like hi leah oh my god this question this this bloody question because <laughs> <laughs> when you said who would you work with i had someone straight away but then when you said on anything and with any budget i'm like oh no um it's hard first things first i would do a sound narcissistic but forget it i'll do a life story feature film and I would 
co-directed with Steve McQueen. And Emmanuel Lubezki would be the cinematographer. And then I would actually want... Okay, four people. Sorry about it. I don't Kanye West and Azealia Banks. Oh, no, it's hard. Can't, okay, five people. Sorry, I've gone off tangent. Kanye West and Azealia Banks and my friend Control to do the score for the film. I think it would be stunning. Only because I've looked up to Steve McQueen since I can remember, like before I even took photos. And I love his love for the craft. Like, I love anyone who loves the craft of anything and excellence. I think Emmanuel Lubezki's use of light is second to none. And then Kanye West, I just dug back into his discography and that man's a genius. Like, it hits places that I didn't know exist. I think Azealia Banks is a gorilla in terms of, like, a beast in the music world and she embodies punk for me no matter I like polarizing figures because I think polarizing figures make change and yes men keep the human keep mankind stagnant and lastly control because he's a close friend of mine and I recently saw him perform live and it moved me like my eyes were leaking like not crying like my eyes were leaking and I think I'm an emotive person, and I think, yeah, that would be a great, great person to tell my story with, I guess. I hope that makes sense. I totally went from one to six people, but, you know, that's life. That is amazing, though. <laughs> I'm going to research a couple of these names, though, because I wasn't, I wasn't aware. But Kanye, yes. Azalea, yes. Thank you so yes. much. Please. Thank you, Leah. Let's go. Listen. Thank you, Campbell, for being here for this, you know, this hour. It has been incredible to sit with you and just talk to you about everything. Um, I think we touched on so many subjects today and shouts out once again to Ted Baker, um, because if it wasn't for them, these rooms wouldn't be happening. Conversations in Culture, episode four, season two. So with that, Campbell, once again, thank you so much for putting up. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Best of luck in all your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. And everyone is so beautiful and be kind to yourselves.